coaches, by coaches, this is Soccer Chat with Nick Rizzo and Sean Sauterling. What's up, everybody? This is Soccer Chat, your weekly coaching podcast. we got some great friends that help us out, like over at Dutic Brand, DutikBrand.com for all your coaching accessory needs. I just recently bought myself a brand new DLX with the customized logo on it, which is just a small added purchase to it. And I got a sweet discount because I use the promo code Soccer Chat. So go on DutikBrand.com. You can get the fantastic coaching notebooks. They've got some great hoodies, beanie, t-shirts, so many more coaching accessories that's going to help you get through your training sessions and games that you're going to need. But make sure to use the promo code Soccer Chat at checkout to get yourself a sweet discount. Shout out to our friends over at Torx, T-O-R-R-X.com. They have the world's greatest ball pump. You're going to love it. Make sure you check it out. We've made videos on it before. You see people talking about it. Go get yourself one, T-O-R-R-X.com. So it is, uh, it, it is going into Thursday. Um, we had a great soccer chat on Wednesday night, which is tonight when we're recording this. Uh, and we would have recorded this earlier today. Um, but Nick, I, I, I'm going to try to give you this advice before you get married. And start a family. Um, a, don't get old. B, don't have kids. And three, don't let your kids have an entire room with just their toys and stuff. I mean, honestly, like, I don't know if those are going to be any of my choices with those things because I'm for sure getting married unless Kelly dumps me in the next 100 days, which we don't want to happen. Like, full disclosure. We, don't we love happen. Kelly. <laughs> we yes. definitely love Kelly. And I imagine kids are probably in the future. And I don't, I don't know if I have a choice in the toy room. Like I don't even have a choice on like, like if we get a dog or not. So like, I don't yeah. know if I get a choice in the toy room. Well, so I, when we start, when we had kids and they started getting to the whole, like out of baby toy things, the one thing I always feared as a dad was like the whole Lego curse. Like you see all these like videos of parents, like stepping on Legos and would you think of like home alone and stuff like that. And that was something that was always fearful for me. Like, Oh my gosh. So like anytime the kids play with their Lego set, I'm like, you pick up every single piece and we're not moving until every piece is in the, the back in the box. Uh, but uh, unfortunately this morning I, I found out I'm somewhat Fleck, more flexible than what i thought i was um had a had a little accident i wish i could say that i slipped on the ice that's outside uh, but that's not the case had a little accident in our our playroom and uh i think i'm i think i'm on the uh the the dl for just a little bit um or the ir injured reserve uh but uh we'll, we'll battle through it but the cool thing about podcasting is i don't really have to move which is numero uno at this moment in time uh Nick, man, like, so here in, in Indiana, we got this crazy ice storm that came through last night and it happened again today. It's happening again tonight. It's supposed to go through again tomorrow. And I just read something before we got on here that we're supposed to like over time for the next three weeks, get like the equivalent to 29 inches of snow, possibly like just like all the days added up together. I only could think of what it's doing in Minnesota right now. And the thought of it makes me want to vomit. Like what's going on up in your area? To be honest, it's just horribly cold. Like we don't have a lot of snow. It's just horribly cold right now. And I, the thing is though, apparently that's a Midwest thing because my parents have the exact same weather in Chicago suburbs right now, but it is awfully cold right now. Like it's most feels temperatures are below zero. 
So that's been awful, especially when we have 6 a.m. practice and you like I like I have a garage, but even my garage doesn't present prevent frost from getting on my windows. So I have to make sure I'm like up like probably at 510 to just make sure my windows are properly defrosted before I'm able to get to practice. So the thought of like, I know how cold it is down here when I get, when I like walk out of my house at seven twenty. I don't want to know what Minnesota is like at five ten when you wake up. It's not great. Like, no, I, like there's if, no if, way if you, could, if you could be at other places, there's other places that would be good to be. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so I like with my mishap today felt really bad. I was like the, like, the all time, like unathletic way to hurt yourself is what I did, but I did feel a little bit better, uh, when you were a big man today and tweeted out a pretty funny video that kind of eased my pain a little bit, my man, um, goalkeeping, not in your, uh, not in your repertoire. Yeah, no, that one hurt a lot. Like it hurt more, like it hurt a lot in person. And then my assistant, like she's in charge of uploading the film and then sending it to the team. And in our group message, she timestamped the exact moment when that happened. She's like, at, I don't remember the exact time, but it was like at 20, check out at 2610. And I didn't know what it was at the time. And so I, I'm like, and I was like, what, what's 2610? And like, she timestamped the exact moment that I got megged by my player for a goal. It hurts. That's, a that's lot. why you never go and goal. No. I'm never doing it again <laughs> for I was I that was going to be my hope is that you were like yeah uh, big cat Nick not doing that anymore no I literally replied the best part is I replied in our group message I go you're fired and she goes totally worth it facts <laughs> <laughs> so like and and I noticed you did like you did a push-up afterwards yeah do you guys not or apparently they don't have this rule up here either but I it it, the team I had at Monmouth and almost every camp I've ever worked, if you get megged, it's one push-up. It's just like the rules. Never heard of that before. Really? That's uh, That was a Monmouth rule. And then like I, a lot of the camps I've worked at UW or Iowa, that's the rule. Like you get megged, you can do one push-up. I, don't, I, I feel like one doesn't really do anything. And here I am. Like I'm not trying to say like I want to do a push-up, but I feel like one to get megged is like not really like, I feel like it's got to be more than that. Yeah, no, I don't know. But anyway, so like in honor of that, we saw uh, University of Iowa is doing a game of assassins with nutmegs for their practices. So they have like every person's picture and like every time someone gets megged in practice, whether it's like just not paying attention or through the regular course of practice, they like get assassinated. And so they get their like an X through their their face. So we nice. actually have a board in my office now of every player on our team, their picture and anyone who gets megged in practice gets an X like right through their face. So I'm already, Oh, oh I like that idea. That's pretty solid. Assassin's nutmeg edition. That's so cool. So cool. And like, now I'm going to have to look up Iowa on, on how they're doing it. Cause I feel like that could be a really cool thing on social media. For sure. No, they, that's, that's our inspiration. So I gotta, I definitely have to give them credit for that one. Um, Am I ever going to see you again on a recruiting trail? Are you? Or are I, aren't you we going? Like, I thought we we're both going to Indiana this weekend. This weekend? Oh, oh well, the, like on Monday? The oh, the inner Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So you are going. I am going. I said okay. that. 
I thought you said I, you didn't know. I'm at least 100% confident that I said I'm in. You may have. I don't know. Taking a lot of Tylenol since then. I mean, you, you did have to do the splits today and almost busted your kneecap. I would like to say that it was the splits, <laughs> but it's like, instead of like both of your legs going the same way, I are like opposite directions. Like one went backwards and the other one went to the right. Like I was like, I, I mean, you invented a new move then, which is also cool. I may, I may have. <laughs> it was so funny. Um, and tonight I was, I was watching wrestling and a former student of mine, who's a big wrestling fan, uh, was texting me and he was talking about like, um, do you ever like watch it and think that you could do it? And I was like, before today or after today? And he was like, why after today? I was like, because the way my body bent this morning, there's no way I even want to think about somebody trying to like stretch me and put me in some type of submission hold. Like I'm, I'm done for with that stuff. But um, so, yeah, we, we've got the inner Chicago um, showcase that uh, Nick and I and the crew are heading to um, trying to figure Ian called me earlier. and was like, are you coming in on Sunday? I was like, I wasn't planning on coming until Monday. Uh, but if enough of you get in on Sunday, I may make the journey up. I'm also hoping that I can walk. <laughs> that's good. That's, that's really kind of number one right now. Cause I'm, I don't want to like go and look like a nothing against 85 year old people with a, with uh, walkers. But like, I feel like that's what I look like at this moment in time, but um, there's a lot of, uh, I, I see like I've got inner Chicago on Monday and then Friday, I'm actually heading to Cincinnati uh for a showcase there i I apologize for not knowing the name of it and the only reason i don't know the name of it is because i actually have one in cincinnati and in indianapolis during the same time period so i'm going to spend like friday and part of saturday in cincinnati and then saturday to sunday in indianapolis but on friday i'm pretty excited because i I told myself i wasn't going to do this but i decided i am now um i'm going to my uh the first kid who's going to sign for us uh is going to be on friday and so or next friday so because we have kids like so far out i was like i don't want to go to your signing because i can't go to these others because they live so far away um but i don't know something just got in me i was like well i'm gonna be in cincinnati so like i might as well swing by and showcase that we are the most dope which like so because like i'm so used to ncaa like not being able to go to the signing days, but apparently that's a big thing in, in AI is like you go to the signing of your kids. Like what's your, what's your thoughts on that? No, if I had the option to do it, I totally would. Like, I think that would be such a fun thing to be able to do. But like, again, I've always, like, I, I don't, I've never not been NCAA, so I have never had the option to do it. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. There's a, like I said, I get it that like, Oh, you know, like you're, they're celebrating, you're the coach of where the kids are going to. But again, like I'm still in that instantly mind mode of like, you can't go to these things. And so like, I, when I see coaches go to it, I'm like, Oh, that's pretty cool. But like I said, I feel bad that like I can go to the ones that are like a, a you know, a short drive, but like if I've got somebody in California, or I got somebody in New York, like I'm not going to be able to just to like randomly go there for a signing. And it makes me feel bad. Cause like, if I go to one, I, I want to go to them all. Yes. No, 100%. And that's, and that would be the issue I feel like I have with it is just like, you don't want to make anyone feel left out by any means. Yeah. Either that, or I'm going to be like, yo, uh, y'all need to get me some plane tickets. Cause some of these, some of these NLIs we got, we're getting signed. Like you're at to send me out there just so I can go to everybody's. But and then another part of me says like, Hey, like that shows, um, 
you know, I, I guess like that I'm there to celebrate with them and like how happy I am. Even though I think anybody who follows me on social media knows how pumped I am for uh, next fall, but um, I don't know. It's going to, it's going to be exciting next couple of weeks. I like, I was looking at my calendar early day and I'm like, Oh my God, I've got like the next three or four weekends um, where I'll be heading places. Um, and thankfully it's like most of them are somewhat close, but um, what are some, uh, where's some showcases you got coming up? So we're going to crown point, Indiana um, for the Chicago inter one, which is one I've definitely been to a lot of times. I'm very excited for that one. This is my first time. I know. I mean, I mean, we're going to get to see each other for the first time. And when was the last time we saw each other in person? Was it the uh, Illinois U soccer awards? Probably. What? No. Um, uh, PepsiCo. Wait, was the exact camp before PepsiCo or after? I think it was after. Okay. So we did see each other exact camp. All right. Yeah. And I think, and I'm fairly certain that was after PepsiCo. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, no, it'll be the first time we probably see each other in like six, seven months. Uh, so the exact camp was July. Um, so yeah. So nope. Yeah. But so that one for me, our school is still very limited in our, like our ability to travel. So I think that's why I didn't think you were coming to, uh, Indiana this weekend. Yeah. We, we can drive as long as we can drive and stay at a place. Like my family lives in Chicago, so I can kind of like write it off as in like, I'm going to Chicago. To see are you, st- are you staying at, uh, Bill and Katie's house? Yep. I may, you know what? I may drive up Sunday just to stay with Bill and Katie and walk around with my shirt off. I mean, might as well at this point. You think, you, th- you think, uh, think Bill would want some little bats? I mean, I don't think Bill would turn down beer. We may have to make this happen. That would be like a great vlog to have, at least in my mind. We, uh, something else that, that's, that's great that's coming up. Uh, we're going to be talking with our good friend Stu Flaherty. Uh, here in just a little bit and uh, you know towards the end of our conversation we talk about this great uh, academic educational uh, opportunity for coaches coming up here in just a couple of weeks uh, where he's going to give you the details on how you can learn to analyze games just like the professionals do uh, just like some of the high level colleges do uh, where they've got some guests from the EPL uh, who are going to be on there uh, during the, these education courses with them. Uh, just a super awesome opportunity. And uh, I know that, you know, at the end of the, the interview, like we'll kind of go on and talk, but what I want everyone to do is to, you know, as you're getting ready to listen to this, go on to Twitter and see this like budding um, friendship that's growing between Nick and Stu, and then hear it really blossom during the interview and then uh, come back and listen to how much Nick just puts Stu over uh, at the interview at the end of the interview. So uh, coming up right now, it's our good friend, and he still has my hat, by the way, Stu Flaherty from Dartmouth.
every week illustrious guests uh and we have probably one of my favorite i'll say soccer chat fans uh you know who who keeps his eye on us from a distance uh who's doing big big things i got to meet this guy if you guys remember from uh, a couple summers ago before covid um i did a little vlog of my travels for camps and one who makes a massive appearance, I, and I'm fairly certain it's at the very beginning uh, in my, my trip to L.A., you see uh, me and this man, Stu Flaherty from Dartmouth, uh, sitting in a rental car in the um, uh, rental car parking lot at LAX, blasting 1990s European football stadium songs, uh, just living life. Uh, he's got some really awesome projects coming up here in the next couple weeks that we want to be able to uh, tell everybody else about, but Stuart, Stu, baby, Stu brother. How's it going? My man. I, li- I like these names. Thanks yeah. Me on. Hi, Sean. Hi, Nick. Well, the, uh, you know, kind of give everybody a little bit of a background on you. You know, we are, anybody who follows, you know, three things, your three favorite teams are, I would say at the very end uh of the three is dartmouth your second favorite team just think baseball's listening dartmouth's first (laughs) (laughs) and your number one favorite team is the brescia bearcats oh yeah oh yeah so are we uh, we leaving england out we're leaving england out are we i think we put them at fourth if i remember correctly the first time you because i mean (laughs) i'm only saying this because stewart actually posted this for for people to to see this is possible yes because I, I remember you say something about, oh, so-and-so is your favorite team. I was like, oh, I'm, that's funny. You misspelled Brescia women's soccer. And you're like, <laughs> you're right, that they're number one. Um, so, you know, kind of, you know, how did you get to Dartmouth? You know, you're, you were just kind of telling Nick about the famous players that have played at your high school that played in the town you grew up in there in Middlesbrough. Uh, you know, how did, how did you get to Dartmouth from, from Middlesbrough? Well, from Middlesbrough is a long road. I thought you, I thought you were going to ask from Bates. Okay, um, so no. <laughs> let's go past Middlesbrough. How did no, from the um, moment you got to America? How did it start? Actually pretty, it's actually a pretty cool story because I was um, <clears throat> I I was one of those players where I had some success, but um, it became apparent earlier than I would have liked that I wasn't going to be a professional soccer player. But um, I decided very very early on I wanted to stay in the game and coaching. Uh, sports psychology, sports journalism, all different things that I considered. Um, and I think, to be honest with you, I wanted, uh, I wanted coaching the most. But at the time, I was getting a lot of encouragement from teachers and people around me that writing was a skill. And I was leaning towards that. And uh, I had a friend from college called Dan Story. And we went to a Tony Robbins conference together. I don't know if you were no Tony Robbins, but there'll be a very few well aware. There. He's tall. He's very yeah, tall. Yeah, there'll be a few eye rolls from people who heard that. And it was a, uh, it was kind of a three day, three day retreat in London, where you do a lot of things, the fire walk and the self help. But one thing he, um, one thing he had you do was a life audit of uh, your, the things you appreciate in your life, the things you were grateful for, the things that you wanted to be better. And then he had you do one, um, imagine yourself in 10 years where you want to be and do that exercise again. And then he talked about um, in life, the reason a lot of people don't get where they want to go is you start thinking logically about, you know, I can't do it because of this. I can't do it because of that. This is going to be an obstacle. This is going to be easier. And before you know it, you've talked yourself out of it. Um, And I think it just kind of dropped 
there, the coaching will be the thing I wanted to do. So I got, I got pretty big into vision boards, things like that. And out of nowhere, I got an email from Wyoming. It was a friend of mine, Scott Reynolds. Um, he's still in the MLS now. And he worked for uh, Real Salt Lake, who were partnered with MLS Camps at the time, who was a franchise that got English coaches to America. And they'd set up a contract to be the head coach of a high school team, Cody Wyoming, Cody Phillies girls. And someone had dropped out on him seriously last minute. You know, the phone call was, you know, you've, you've been talking to me a lot. You say you want to coach full time. There's an opportunity. Do you want it? And I'm like, of course I do. He's like, right, well, it's in Wyoming. And uh, you have to be there in two weeks. So I was um, teaching sports psychology at Loughborough College, which is kind of like prep school level. University is college in England. That's another long story. But <laughs> I was teaching kind of the equivalent of PG uh, sports psych. And I was volunteering on the Loughborough High School soccer team. And definitely the five to 10 hours a week I was spending coaching that team for no money were hands down the most enjoyable part of my week. So in my head, I'm like, okay, here's an opportunity to get paid, not have to do any of the teaching, which wasn't really a, a joy of mine, not have to do anything else but the coaching. And then I can do all these things I want to do outside, like the psychology, like the meetings with players, like the, the video. Like imagine if I could just put all my time into a team, the job I could do. So I, I just kind of back myself and just went over, you know, like le left furniture in apartments, um, sold my car, you know, and just flew over and did it on a three month contract, not really knowing what the next step would be. And without the Robbins thing, I don't think I would have made that, um, that kind of decision, which is kind of insane looking back. Um, but then things fall into place and uh, ended up meeting Matt Ellinger, who was uh, still a good friend of mine. He's still in Utah. And uh, Matt and Scott helped me get to Rail Salt Lake. And that was in the days where they were start starting up their academy. It kind of didn't exist. So they were just putting the academy together. And I was doing some coaching with Matt in local clubs with regards to that. And in the summers, I was driving around uh, the mountain region, which was North, South Dakota, Wyoming, Nevada, Arizona, um, Colorado, kind of looking for players, um, identifying and sending back the best players and best names to, uh, to Salt Lake. I mean, it's, it's not a model they ended up following. They ended up going with the residential model in Arizona. And that's when my job became very, very clear. It was just camps, you know, it was ticket sales and I was back to the coaching on the side again. And I'm like, I've come all the way to America to be in the same position I was in in England. And ended up uh, talking to Paul Baber. And uh, I still know Paul. I actually spoke to Paul this week. He'll be a friend for the rest of my life. And Paul was the head coach of the Cape Cod Crusaders. So he flew me over there. Um, they were a part of the uh, notorious GPS, which you will, you will know all about for, for all kinds of reasons now. Uh, but that was a massive franchise. <clears throat> and I uh, coached some youth teams. And in the summer, Paul let me volunteer with the PDL team, which is now known as USL League Two. And... Uh, Went very well. It was probably the highest level of coaching. Paul was the best coach at that point I'd watched and um, really, really taught me some things that are still influence how I do things to this day. Then went to uh, New Jersey to get into the college game. To be honest, it was that was kind of a financial thing. And then ended up moving to Maine. Um, I was married at the time. And my ex-wife was a lawyer who could only really practice law in Maine and just tried to build it up from there. Ended up as a volunteer assistant at Bates College to start off with. And then you talk about the stars aligning Cape Cod, uh, refranchised as the Portland Phoenix moved to Maine and I jumped on with Paul there. So I ended up doing an eight year run as an assistant coach on the Portland Phoenix. We, uh, made five playoff appearances. We won four Northeast division titles. We had 56 players play for us and then go on to pro leagues in America and Europe. 
And I also became the head coach of Bates College for six years. And from there, made the jump to Dartmouth. And a, a nice little thread linking it was when I was with the Portland Phoenix. I coached Wyatt Omsberg from 15 to 18 before he went to Dartmouth. And he came back in the summers to play for our USL League 2 team. And then as Wyatt left Dartmouth, I came in. So it was kind of a cool continuation. So is it, was it, would it be fair to say that if it wasn't for Tony Robbins, you would not be friends with Nick Rizzo? That is fair. Yeah. That's, that's fair. fair. Six yeah. degrees of Kevin Bacon, Tony Robbins. and That, that, that is absolutely a true <laughs> statement. That's Thanks, awesome. Tony. No, that's awesome. Like for you, when you get like, what was the culture shock like getting to Wyoming? Oh, dude. Like people ask me what America's like and I can't answer because well, as I say, don't tell them Wyoming. Like, just like Wyoming and Utah and New Jersey and Maine, these these places aren't the same. You know, they don't have the same cultures. And um, you know, he's a big culture suck. I'd never drove a car for more than an hour in my life, and I know that's gonna seem outrageous, but you can get from the east to the west coast of England in less than two hours. Yeah. You can drive from the top to the bottom in five, but nobody does that because why would you? Because people <laughs> don't. You, you get a train if it's gonna be that far and if you drove an hour, you've drove past probably 90 youth soccer teams and 20, 30 pro teams in England. Like it's, it's, it's insane. The concentration of, of the sports. So there's really no need to make these long drives. And they told me, um, Wyoming was one state up from the Denver airport, which I mean, technically it is, but you tell someone in England, something's one state up. I'm like, Oh, you're one County up. Okay. 20 minute drive. And I got there and we didn't have GPS back then. Cause I'm old. And they handed me MapQuest directions for a, something like a 920-mile drive, a set of <laughs> rental car keys, and they're like, have a nice life, and just left me. And I'm like, this isn't happening. <laughs> so I like, ended up setting off on this drive and driving past towns where the, there was a sign that said Highland, population 10. And I'm like, what do they do if I hit someone? Change the sign? That's amazing. <laughs> driving through these... Um, Driving through these, like you see this big mountain and then there's a little tunnel drilled in it that you can drive through. It's just, it's kind of cool. It's like you're living in a movie and then seen a bear, never seen a bear before. Saw a buffalo, never seen a buffalo before. <laughs> it's just like, it's out there. And then it's like, it's, um, you know, there's other parts that weren't so fun that I don't really want to talk about. Because not against me, but just there's no reason to be, you know, slating a state. But there's a, there's a little bit of it, you're like 20, 30 years back in time. Um, but I will say the people I was around were very nice to me, very welcoming to me. The first sentence somebody spoke to me was, well, you weren't from around here, boy, at a gas station. And I'm like, <laughs> right. wow, uh, thanks for reminding me, brother. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just it's just different. But I, I, I say this to the Dartmouth kids and if they do their study abroad, and I say it to everyone, like to, there is a real life evolution, maturation, whatever you call it, to just moving away from everything that surrounds you, all the people you've attached yourself with, all the places you used to go and all the habits and routines you've got and just going somewhere else for an extended period of time. It is, it is a great thing. And I think, I think when you do it, you're a lot better for it. No, that's awesome. Like, and then obviously that transition, I'm sorry, my dad keeps trying to call me. Um, He can only call you if his shirt is off. <laughs> Zoom link. Get him on here. Honestly, Bill Rizzo would be great to have a soccer chat because he has no idea anything about soccer. But like he he's watched come, me coaching shirtless though. He's watched me coach and play for uh, 28 years, and 
maybe not that long, some along those lines. And still like, if I asked him like what system we play, would have no idea. Um, and so, yeah, he would, he would be an interesting person to have on soccer chat, but to transition back to you, uh, what was it? So like, and then getting enough in about the call, Bill Rizzo, let's talk more enough about, about Bill Rizzo. He's, this he's is good. about me. He's had his time. <laughs> Stewart's time. Um, what was it like transitioning to the college game? Um, fairly seamless, fairly seamless. I mean, I, I'm a big believer that there is, there is divisions in soccer that we create. And I do think we have a soccer coaching culture where people try so hard to make things so one way. And so like college is like this and youth is like this and pro is like this and Europe is like this and they're all different. And the more ways I can tell you they're different, the more intelligent I am. I believe is a big train of thought. But the fact is you get given a group of players and your first thing you have to do is you have to connect with those players. You know, they've all got values. They've all got beliefs. You have to unify them. You have to present a project that they believe in. And then you bring in the soccer and the structure and how you're going to go about doing it. And I believe if you start from there, you'll do better. And I don't believe there's a difference between a U15 youth team a college team, a USL League 2 PDL team that was very successful. The uh, high school team in England, that coach that was very successful, actually had Giles Balls at Barnes on it, who ended up a bit of a star in MLS and a starter for Jamaica, I believe. That's the starting point. And then as a part of systems, style of play, formation, I'm a big believer you make those decisions in a fluid manner after you've seen your team in action and you've identified what your team is going to be good at, what they're going to be bad at, and I know not everyone does it this way, but Elza certainly doesn't. So there's no right or wrong way, but I am a believer that there is adjustments for certain levels of opposition. At Dartmouth, we don't play against Wake Forest the same way we play against Niagara. You know, there, there, there's differences in how we approach it. So I don't think it's, it's fair to say, you know, he's what the game's like in England and he's what the game's like in America and he's what youth soccer was like and he's what D3 was like and he's what D1 was like. Because for all the differences in your personnel, it's always leveled out by the um, the opposition you face. You know, for example, I've got you know deeper, better players on the team here at Dartmouth than at Bates, but every opponent we play is deeper and better. So, how much is that really worth? You know, you're still trying to figure out the same issues. You're still trying to build the same look uh, culture in the locker room. You're still trying to get people excited and give them a sense of purpose that will become become a driving force when the novelty of a new season and what have you wears off. But isn't half of the battle in that is the people who are saying, Hey, this is what it's like at the next level, or this is what it's like in Europe. This is what it's like in the MLS. This is what it's like in college that a good percentage of those people weren't even in those levels. And here they are. I, I, I would to... argue, I would argue that almost all of them aren't because let's address the elephant in the room. There's a, there's a strong narrative um, in America that, you know, the college game is very, very poor, very, very low level, you know, no, no good quality soccer and doesn't get people ready for pro, right? Mm -hmm. I don't hear that from anybody in the professional game. And I speak to a lot of them all the time, especially on the recruiting trail. Inside you guys of know Stuart's a big deal. Stuart's uh, a massive in, in, big deal. In, in, inside of, um, you know, MLS Youth Academies, don't hear it. Any MLS staff I talk to, don't hear it. Um, got very close with Hartford Athletic, a USL championship franchise. Um, I'm writing a book on their season last season, actually. Um, didn't hear it. Tend to hear it from people who haven't been involved in the college or the pro game. So 
you know, you just, you just take that for what it is. You know, you always, always consider the source when you're hearing it. And very, very often the most passionate negativity comes from people who aren't where we're all aspiring to be and who aren't where the coaches that we're trying to develop our players to go and play for. So, I mean, it, it is what it is. It's a shame for sure. I, I just feel like it seems to me like I'm just thinking, and I'm just thinking of like in the area that I live in, that of the people who push the, this is what it's like in the pros, maybe 3% of the people who are saying that actually know what it is like in the pros. Yeah. Um, whether they played there or they coached there, whatever it may be. And then there's this other group, the other 97% who are talking about, this is what you got to do to be in the pro. And like, you didn't even like you, you may have played in, in college or in high school. Like, so how do you know other than, well, I've talked to so-and-so, but like, hey, I think if smart. you give that, that, that message of this is what it's like, like you've got to be able to, 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 to bring that now, like for me, like I can't sit here and say like, I mean, yes, I I've coached at division one, division two, now at NAI. So I feel like I can tell the kids just from my experience, like, yeah, like, Hey, division one level, this is what they're looking for. And, and with friends I've gotten here and what they're looking for in players. But when it comes to that pro stuff, like, I don't know the percentage of people here in America who can actually say, yeah, this is what Europe is looking for. Well, he's an, he's an interesting story on that. Our head coach here at Dartmouth born. I see this every day. He did play pro, you know, he had a 12 year career. He was taken in the first MLS draft. He won the MLS as a goalkeeper with the Kansas city wizards. Um, who are now sporting Kansas City. He won the U.S. Open Cup, and he went to a second MLS championship game on a, on, in a career that went more than a decade. He doesn't walk around saying pro this, pro that. He walks around every day meeting kids, connecting with kids, assessing where those kids are now, and then making educated guesses and plans to move those kids up along their curve. And that's someone who could see it, could beat his chest and give it pro this, pro that, nobody understands, but he doesn't. And I think there's a very real lesson in that. No, that's awesome. And then like for you, when you made the transition to go from Bates to Dartmouth, what was, I mean, cause Bates obviously, I mean, that's a, when you go to the D3 and you're going to the NESCAC, that's not like a friendly jump. Um, I guess one of the toughest conferences in the country, if not the toughest conference in the country, probably with the yeah, UAA. I, I, I learned that taking over a team that went 0-10 in it before <laughs> I joined, brother. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, honestly, probably, the, I mean, consistently that or the UAA is probably the top conference in the country pretty much year in and year out. So for you, like, what was it like trying to take over a program that had been struggling and trying to build them up, but also build them up in one of the toughest conferences in it's, the country? It's, it's the best thing I ever did. You know, and we did succeed. You know, my last season at Bates was an 8-6-2 and two season. Um, we knocked off two teams ranked in the top 25, and it was the fifth win over a top 25 ranked team in my time there. Um, and we snapped a nine-year playoff drought um, with a game where, i got to tell you the story of this game. So we, the school hadn't been in the playoffs for nine years, and we went to play at Colby College, who was the big rival, you know, and um, – if they won or drew, um, they would make the playoffs, take the last spot, and we had to win. And it was played on their brand new field, whatever they spent to build it. I think it was 15 million or something. And we won that game with a goal with 23 seconds left in the second half of overtime. And a draw would have been enough for them. So thank you, Bofils Kim Polo. Maybe the reason I'm here at Dartmouth now. But, um, you know, the, the, the way we got there wasn't was a lot more 
than I thought it would ever be because I thought I was going to take over that team, you know, and, and say this now because I've grown a bit, and I thought I would add a bit of tactical knowledge, add a bit of organisation, add a bit of fire, add a bit of drive, and we'd make the playoffs. It'd be that easy, right? And what it turned into was um, obviously recruiting. You know, I, th- I think the recruits brought in over a five-year span were, um, without disrespecting anybody, just of a higher level of previous experience than the five years before. I don't think that's debatable if you look at the teams they were coming from and the achievements. Um, I think there was some tactical element to it. You know, we did a lot of video work. We did a lot of individual video work. We did a lot of comparison to pro game models and pro clips. And I think that was part of it. But the bench was a huge part of it too. You know, there was a very, very poisonous bench at Bates where we'd actually, in my first year, have incidents of kids not even being happy with we'd scored goals because if we went 1-0 up and we won the game, that was them on the bench for another week. That was the very real dynamic of it. So I actually remember a team meeting where I'd spent some time getting photographs of the Bates basketball bench and the Bates lacrosse bench and the Bates football bench. And, you know, these kids are all want to start too, who were all just very, very engaged in their team. And I think over my three to five years at Bates, the energy coming from the bench was very, very beneficial, especially in road atmospheres. And I think beyond that, when the bench is an enjoyable experience and when it's engaged, you know, and I've, I've seen it on Twitter where Becky Burley put the bench cam and everyone made fun of her, like, you should sit down and be quiet like Europe. But I believe kids who I want to know who said that because I'm that slap all of them. Yeah. But I, I, believe I, kids I, was, I was like, this is incredible. Yeah, it is incredible. And when you take a kid out of that atmosphere and that level of mental engagement and you throw them into a game, don't be surprised when they're making players within five minutes of going on. Don't be surprised when their energy level and impact on the game is higher. And when you tell a kid to sit down and be quiet and you don't care if they're engaged or not in the game, don't be surprised when you give him 20 minutes and he's in your office the next week saying he needs more time to settle into the game. You know, don't, or don't be surprised when he can't really produce because being on the bench for him is a miserable experience and we tend not to perform our best in a state of misery, right? Yeah. So if you can add value to your bench, add importance to your bench, add engagement and a sense of fun. Nobody wants to be there. I get it. We all want to start. But when you can make it a more integral part of the team and celebrate every goal with it. And as a coach, if you look over and there's a tackle or you win a throw in and you see the bench explode, it is, it is a really powerful driving force. Trust me, it, it really really is and I think that's one of the bigger things that helped us overachieve at Bates because we did overachieve on a personal level and we beat a number 15 ranked team in the country 3-0 I would say that's overachievement and just the general culture of the team top to bottom was better for that not only that you go through um, you know you're excited to get all your new recruits in and then you get them in and then you got to measure if you if you pull it off and you 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 know your two younger classes are significantly better and getting more minutes. I remember one year, I think something like 16 of our 23 goals came from the freshman sophomore class. There's a whole other issue to manage on two ends. You got juniors or seniors who are not happy and you as a coach shouldn't be saying, sorry, man, not your time. Step aside, not your team because that blows up on you and it should blow up on you. But then on the other end, you can't have your freshman and sophomore walking around acting like they run the place and not having respect for people who have done what they're doing and done it for longer. So that was a whole that was a couple of years issue where that was a real point of emphasis for the staff to manage and level out and teach teach respect to be honest with you 
Um, And not only that, I would say within a college, and this, I say Bates, but this happens, I'm sure, at lots of colleges, but there is a very, and I'm not criticising the school or the AD or the admissions or anything, it's really just the general culture of day-to-day conversation when if a kid sits around Bates and talks about athletics, it's very defeatist. You know, they're not an athletic school. They don't expect to win to the point that, you know, you win a conference game on the road and you come back and you celebrate it for two, three days in the early days. It was that big a deal because there's six fall teams and you're the only one who won. It's, it's, it's hard. So what we try to do is create a set of standards and a mindset and a reality inside of our locker room walls that was strong enough that then we went, when they went back to their dorms or when they hung out at the parties or when they sat in the Commons dining hall, the train of thought that the team had would supersede the norm on campus. And that's not an easy thing to do. You know, and we, we had things like we would have a book that the entire team would be reading at the same time and we'd all read a couple of chapters and then we'd meet on a Friday night before a Saturday night game and discuss them. And, you know, you, you're definitely not doing things that are visible. You know, it's not like you need a, a new, a new color on your wall. So you paint it, you can see it immediately, immediately. It's more planting seeds where you have these meetings, you pass on these trains of thought, you, you have these conversations and you hope there's a tipping point with kids where you've had enough of them. They think a little bit more alike to the coaches and a little bit more groupthink installed because that, that is, again, is right at the core of what we do. You know, if you told me next season at Dartmouth, you can play your formation perfectly or you can have every kid's mindset focused on the same goal. I know which one I'd pick um, and it wouldn't be close because I know which one will get you further when things are going well and not going well. So that's just, I guess, the depth of the work you have to do to get there. I wouldn't realize how deep it was if I hadn't coached Bates. You know, if I just took over Man United and every player was great, we win games because the players are great. I would say I would, I would not have learned some things that are very important that I feel like I learned at Bates. Yeah. No, I think uh, going back to like what even what you're talking about with the Ben saying, I just like think it's funny. Like I think it's a pretentious thing at times because also we have completely different subbing rules in England. Like so, like the bench can stand and like they're like it's not like they're waiting around to maybe get in the 60th minute. Like they might go in for 10 minutes and come out. So like their fatigue level from standing is not going to be that great. So yeah. I always thought that argument was really funny because it's like. Yeah, if like and you're in England and you're like waiting 60 minutes to do something, like yeah, probably like sit sit your butt down and wait because like there's not a flow of subs going in and out. But in the American game, it's just like it's just different. So yeah, you have to no, no, treat no, it. I remember, I remember the conversation where they're like, "There's too many subs in your game. It's got no flow." I was like, "If Premier League managers had these sub rules, they'd use it." 100. percent Everyone argued with me, and then COVID gave them five subs, and guess what happened? Now they're using five because three was never the issue. It was just the rules. So I mean, yeah. It's, it's a different benefit, and it's, a, it's like, like I said with the level of player. It's a benefit because we can manage more players fitness-wise, and we can also – it's a lot easier to manage a locker room when you've got six guys who play 20 to 30 minutes off the bench every single game, even if they come out again, than when you've got 11 playing and 17 not playing. I know which one is easier to manage. And also, if you want to press from the front, it's a lot easier when you can insert fresh legs. The, the leveling factor, your, your, your other team can do that too. So, like, it's it's kind of a benefit, but it's just as much a benefit for the guy you're playing against. For sure. Oh, girl, sorry. No, no, no. It's uh, So, you, you guys at Dartmouth have a pretty cool uh, educational series coming up. 
it's a soccer academics game analysis education. Uh, yeah. And there's four different dates. It starts February 28th. Then it also goes on March 7th, March 15th and March 22nd. Uh, so kind of, um, you know, kind of give us some details, uh, you know, how it kind of got started, what made you guys come up with it? Uh, because it's basically, it's a four week course um, that's going to work with coaches on analyzing things from a tactical standpoint. So just kind of like, I, how did you guys come up with the idea? To the, do I, the idea of it is um, if you think of coach education um, licenses and people say U S soccer, trust me, it's not U S soccer. This is English FA. This is, this is everywhere. A lot of coach education courses are very, very heavy on drills and very, very heavy on skill development and technique and things like that. And I do think the actual application of it in jobs like ours isn't taught very well. Like you could do a license without ever having to scout an opponent, look at the strengths and weaknesses of that opponent, plan a week of sessions around the strengths of that opponent, all while at the same time juggling what your team's good at and bad at, go through that week, play the game, watch the game, break down the game and analyze it. So I just think that the, the preparation from a tactical side, I don't believe there's a lot of options out there to, to teach that to a high level. And to make, to make sure it's taught to a high level, obviously we've got Bo, who I said is, you know, Bo's a 12-year veteran in the MLS. He's an MLS champion as a player. He's coached on U.S. Uh, youth soccer national teams. He's still involved in the scouting of the youth national teams that go at the World Cup. And the game he's going to, you know, educate people on his breakdown was when he was at ETSU, he went on the road and um, he beat uh, he beat UNC when they were ranked number one in the country. So that's kind of an upset win. Um, you know, I, I tried to fight with him. I tried to make that Bates v. Middlebury, but like apparently, you know, UNC is a bigger name, whatever. Um, and then we got Ryan Needs in, who was a friend of mine. And Ryan has uh, been in the top levels of English football for about a decade now. And uh, the game he's going to break down was uh, he was on the Swansea staff with uh, Gary Monk and James Beatty, both friends of mine. And he, um, they went to Chelsea on the opening day of the season. And Chelsea were Jose Mourinho's team, defending champions, Cesc Fabregas in centre mid, a great team. And they got a 2-2 draw at Chelsea. Um, I can't give it all away, but they were very, very real chinks in the armour of a Jose Mourinho coach team that won the English Premier League that Swansea identified, practiced, executed, and got themselves a 2-2 draw at Stamford Bridge on. And Ryan will show footage of the scouts with explanations of what they're seeing. He'll show the practice sessions, videos of the sessions as they were getting ready, and then footage from the Chelsea game showing how it worked, where it worked, and where it didn't work. And then another game was at Dartmouth, um, another upset. We beat Michigan State last fall, who was a, a Big Ten opponent. Again, personnel-wise, a little bit above us typically on the day-to-day -day basis, but we did beat them 2-1 at home. And there's, you know, you see these teams and it's not an exercise in, oh, look how good they are. It's like, yes, they are good at this, but we're good at this and we can probably get at this and he's how we'll prepare. So we do. I think there's a lot of lessons and things we can teach within this that aren't typical to the soccer education curriculum you see right now. You had mentioned, I mean, just some of the, the people that you've got coming on and, and the different things that you guys are going to really like on, on the website, you've got, you know, uh, how to scout the opponents, the philosophy, the training, game plan, installation, in-game adjustment, and then, you know, post-game breakdown, uh, you know, the course, I, which I think is incredible. It's four sessions and it's only, it's only $200 for four yeah. sessions where you're getting some crazy high level uh, education. 
um, you know, from you, what was kind of something that, uh, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, the various games, like, you know, knowing Ryan and, and now, and also, you know, knowing Bo, was there something in both of their, um, I guess their presentation, you know, that kind of caught you off guard that you were like, whoa, like I either a, I didn't know that, or I, I would have never looked at something that way. Um, I'll be honest with you. I've, I've, I've had incidents like that with Bo, but you know, I've gone into my third year and knowing him. I've had a lot of times where I've had conversations with Bob and went out about thinking about something a different way. It's not just the, this one thing. He, he's someone who makes you think. And same with Ryan. You know, same with Ryan. It, it's a blessing to know these guys and to be able to talk to Ryan about what it's like to beat Marcelo Bielsa, which he did three times in the championship, to go through a Premier League season, to face these players and not see them as icons on a TV screen, but real athletes that have strengths and weaknesses and how do we get at them. Yeah, it, it's, it's very educational, to be honest with you. I don't want to give away the material, but I will yeah. say people who sign up for this course, you're going to see a snap of it on whether Fabregas is a strength or a weakness for Chelsea, and it will blow your mind, because it did mine. I was going to say, as, as many teasers as you can, you got to talk them into the stadium, brother. Uh, you know, no, you, you'll see. You'll see. It's, <laughs> it's like you will watch it for 30 seconds and be like, wow. Yeah, and and th I think the thing too in that is, you know, you look at these pro teams or you look at your, you know, higher level division one programs where you do have multiple eyes, you know, when scouting opponents or when looking at things. And then it makes me kind of think like, okay, where I'm at now, like, you know, I've got myself and then, you know, an assistant who's here, you know, every now and then, you know, for a, for a coach in a situation like myself, maybe it's a high school coach or maybe it's a, a smaller college coach. Um, you know, where there isn't that many eyes, you know, is this something that it's going to help kind of train them to be able to see all these different things? Yeah. As long as you have the ability to view game footage of an opponent, you have the ability to do what we're doing. Now, does the stuff that Ryan does and that we do at Dartmouth look a bit better because of expensive technology? Yes. Absolutely. But it's not technology <laughs> algorithms that are seeing these things. And, you know, one of the great things I've got from, Ryan and James, you know, I've, no, I've known James, God, 27 years now. I remember he came to visit Bates and one of the players were like, uh, you two have known each other longer than I've been alive. And I was like, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, I'm really yeah. But, um, yeah. I know it only, hurts, only I know. hurts a little. Yeah, exactly. I know a he he thought he was saying something game. cool and we both ready to kill him. Uh, Justin Yacovino for wanting me to name and shame. But um, <laughs> if um, when you hear them talk and you watch them go about this, like, Yes, they're very good teams, but they're just very good teams. Very good teams lose all the time to yeah. teams they're not supposed to lose to. You know, and that, that helps if you're an underdog. It helps to remember if you're the favorite. Um, and you, we've all got to take that mindset into our job. Because for me, if you were to sit there and go, yeah, it's great that Ryan Needs can do that at Swansea, and it's great that Stu can do that at Dartmouth, but I'm at Brescia, it's not the same. You, you, you're handcuffing yourself from day one. Yeah. You know, it's more like, okay, what can I do here at Brescia above and beyond things that have ever been done here? Start from there and build from there. I, I feel like some people have decided before they start a job what games they win and can't win and uh, what can and can't be done. And that is not your job. You know, your job is not to look at a situation and a team and tell everyone what it is. Your job is to create a vision for how it can be where you want it to be and be the one willing to 
take the slings and arrows of being wrong and failures on the way to getting there. Yeah. And nobody wants to do that because it's a lot easier to just point flaws in other people, right? Yeah, absolutely. And again, we, we're, we're talking with Stu Flaherty from Dartmouth where uh, coming up here in a couple of weeks, they've got the soccer academics uh, game analysis education. Uh, you know, it's four week course focusing on the analysis of soccer on a tactical level. Uh, they're going to have coaches, as he's mentioned, from the Premier League level, uh, Division One, the Ivy League, Southern Conference on there. Uh, you know, giving, you know, I, for me now, it's, I would say when you mentioned about like handcuffing, I know sometimes, you know, a smaller school like us where we can say like, yeah, like we could do that. You know, I'm, I'm going to see something one way, but if I had three other eyes, I could see the same video. Like, would they see something different? But I think it's, it's good to know and, and good to get that reminder of like, you know, if you take the time to look at things, okay, maybe this time when I'm watching this play, I'm going to look at it from this standpoint. Well, then when I get done watching it from that standpoint, I'm going to switch it and go, hey, now I'm going to look at it from this standpoint and, you know, be like a second person. Um, you know, again, you know, the great technology that, that you guys have there, uh, in your big, awesome, huge Ivy league institution, um, you know, it, it, it's like we say with anything else, like you have the capability of doing those things. Um, if you don't have them, there's just, you have to find other ways around it. Um, and so I think what you guys are doing is really, really cool, especially given access to, uh, everyone to, you know, these, I'm sure the footage that, uh, you know, at least on Ryan's in, you know, footage that probably no person will ever see, um, other than, you know, in this, this session with you guys have seen these professional, you know, the prim league practice sessions, what they're, you know, the, the video that they're looking at of Chelsea and you know, how they're digressing. Like, that's stuff that you're not going to see anywhere else. And again, for the cost, $200 for four weeks. I mean, that's, that's an absolute steal. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's one thing worth remembering. I'm saying it to you because it was said to me once while I was at Bates and I was like, huh, it's, you know, what's more valuable. If you were the head coach and you had two, two younger assistants who you've kind of, beating the line and they listen to everything you say and they agree to everything you say and all they want to do is learn from you, okay? Do you really have three sets of eyes? Whereas if you can do things, whether it be this course or whether it be a license or whether it be whatever endeavor you do with the intent to look at something and think a different way, is that as, a val- as valuable as another set of eyes? I would argue that it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, before we get out, I'd be reminisced if I didn't ask, uh, you know, as I mentioned, Stu and I uh, worked a camp a couple years ago. And uh, if, if, if you haven't seen a picture of Stu, um, you know, Stu, you know, has a, has a fantastic head on his shoulders um, that needs to be covered up when it's super, super bright outside. And uh, it was our last day of camp. No, no. Second day of camp actually in California. And, uh, Stu was like, Hey man, actually, I think it was a hey, brother. You got an extra hat. And I was like, why? Of course I do have an extra hat. What kind of hat is it? Oh, it's this NCAA soccer hat that I got from when I was at university. Evansville. Oh brother, really appreciate it. If, uh, you know, if I could, if I could rock that instead of, uh, you know, having to cake, uh, suntan lotion on my head. Oh, absolutely. Stu. No problem. No problem, man. I like Stuart. And I did rock it. By he the way. did. He did absolutely rock it. Um, Still then, rock it. <laughs> and then Stu actually had to leave for the airport before I did. And it wasn't until Stu got on the flight that he sends me a text, brother, I'm gonna have to mail you your, uh, your hat. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I completely forgot about it. Oh, don't worry about it. Next camp. I see you at brother. I'll get it. Then COVID happens. Don't see Stu again. So Stuart walks around Dartmouth with this amazing Wilson NCAA soccer hat 
that I'm fairly certain he gets a lot of compliments on. Well, me, me blaming the pandemic that worked then. Yes, yeah, that, it will. It's a good strategy. That's a good strategy. Although, I think the only I think the only issue is before the pandemic. I think we worked at camp in Chicago together. We definitely did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think it made your your luggage too heavy to bring it to Chicago. Yeah, you. no. It's sometimes you like you, you don't have room for it. You know, like yeah, you just, I know. You just they, put it, they put it on the scale, and it's, there's a there's a poundage limit, and it's a heavy hat. Yeah. yeah. And and who and like I said, you know, who would want to cover that beautiful face of yours, that amazing head on your shoulders? Like, to put this incredible one of a kind black hat that I got in my first college coaching job that I have no, you know personal value meaning to that hat <laughs> so next time if, if, if any of you see Stuart round and about just like hey man you got that hat and he'll probably be like oh yeah somewhere but uh you yeah. know big big press he when we got on the call he was like oh he's like I need to find his hat so I can wear it the whole time and piss you off and like, that's not gonna piss me off it's gonna look really good on you <laughs> not gonna find it <laughs> and I also have to say like, if, if anybody's <clears throat> you know, for, for people who are listening and, and Nick has, has been finding this out in our times of, of knowing Stu over the last few years. Um, Cause I know like when I met Stu in California, like we hit it off instantly. And then I made the mistake of telling him that, oh yeah, co-host this podcast. And that unfortunately led to just constant uh, banter uh, about the show and whatnot. But if you ever feel like you're down in life and you need like that cheerleader to like get you going, there's no person better in the sport of soccer than Stu Flaherty. Like I, I, you know, as somebody who has lots of various self-esteem issues, all I've got to do is like, I could just, I could talk to Stuart about wrestling and somehow he would turn it into this like motivational thing about me. And like, why can't you beat Ric Flair though? <laughs> I don't know why I can't beat <laughs> Ric Flair. I've never tried is the problem. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's good to have, you know, we talk on the show about the good brothers and good sisters. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's good for all of us to have that person that, uh, you know, we know is, is, is rooting for us and, and always there to help out when we need it. Uh, so I and definitely in front of all of our listeners uh, and, and the, the millions and millions watching around the world. Uh, you know, I definitely want to thank you on, on my behalf, Stu, of, of being one of those good brothers in, in the sport to uh, who's always there for you whenever you need it. Appreciate that. Wasn't expecting that. Might cry. <laughs> if you I'm do, really, when you said if you're ever feeling down, I thought the next thing was remember your nuts too. So I'm, <laughs> oh, no way. I'm very, very pleased at the direction that took. <laughs> so, Stu, as as we get out of here, and I, I mentioned the the wrestling bit. Uh, anytime we have a wrestling fan on, I always have to have to have a chat about it. Stu and I sent text messages. I think while we were in California, of just like the various events that we've been to. Um, and then it continued after camp, uh, you know, whether if we've met a wrestler or shows we went to, what is your all time favorite match you have seen in person? Oh, I had my answer. And then you said in person, well, I, well, I will ask your favorite match of all time, but in person, in person, it's going to be a strange answer, but we were sat pretty close and I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. That humans are doing this. It was, um, <laughs> It was TLC in Boston, and it was one of the early matches. It wasn't even the main event, which wasn't even that good. It was like when Sheamus was champion. Yeah. Um, it was Definitely New, a downtime in the business. It was New Day, the Usos, and... Um, the Lucha, Lucha House Party. Yes, the Lucha House Party. Yeah. Name back then, didn't they? Kalisto and... Uh, uh, yeah, but this was like 2015. They had a different name, but yeah. it was them. 
and they're just like doing backflips off the ladder. They're like putting one ladder parallel to the ground on the on the ropes and the other ladder, and then throwing some dude on it. And I'm just like, this, how are they not crippled? Like, <laughs> right? If I fall over this chair, <laughs> like my, it's gonna hurt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, just hurling themselves and doing flips, and it's just. It wasn't even the wrestling. It was just the fact that the human body could do these things and take these collisions so repeatedly. And there's something very different about being close to the ring than seeing it on TV. It's mm-hmm. a, it's one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. Can't even remember who won the match. But uh, like, I do believe I sh- I know this. I think it was yeah. the New Day. Yeah, but like I, no, yeah, no, no, no. It was it was Kalisto and uh, whoever he was with because Kalisto did this. Uh, Samurai del Sol off the like top of the ladder onto one. Yes, uh, if I remember correctly. Yes, that's that was my horrific description of the the ladder being parallel to the ring off the ropes. Yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. Nick, what's your favorite match you've ever seen in person? And I can the only it, the only one I've ever seen in <laughs> the only one I've ever seen. I don't even remember any of the names. I could like describe what happened like in each of the things, but I, I don't. Who was the one that we uh, met that had the book? Colt Cabana. Cole Cabana. He was, he was probably the coolest guy I met in person. Um, like I just remember in the first match, there was like a really, really skinny, tiny guy that just got his butt kicked. Um, and <laughs> then that, uh, we're sitting in front row, literally like we could touch the ring from our seats and I'm, and it was Nick's first wrestling show. And the first time I've ever met, met Nick in person, and I'm fairly certain when this first match came out that Nick was like, you know, I think I could do this. Yeah. I was like, I was like, well, when I saw that guy, I was like, I'm bigger than that dude. Like I could, I could at least like, I could at least do some of that stuff. Um, but, not for one second did I think I think I could do this. <laughs> <laughs> and then round two was like the the two females. Um, the one was like a hometown girl. She was a very pretty girl, and she won. And then uh, the last one was Cole Cabana, wasn't it? Was that yeah. the yeah? The he got to see uh, Kylie Ray. Uh, she had to step in for Tessa Blanchard, who was supposed to be there for a match. Uh, and he got to see the crowning of the zero G um, or no Zello pro uh, women's championship. So shout out yep. to Nick for his, uh, his historic first wrestling match. So now Stuart describes it in almost poetic fashion too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so now your favorite match you've ever seen. Mankind undertaker. Hell in a cell. Yes. Again, I, I know those people. I like those, <laughs> like when you talk about, I know those ones. <laughs> It's just the dynamic of like, is this happening? Is this real? Am I watching this? Like, yeah, I, I've always been well aware that wrestling is scripted, fake, whatever you want to call it. Movies are too. No one seems to have as much of an issue with that. Right, before. right. When I was watching that, I'm like, how is this human taking this level of physical punishment and doing it every single night, or doing it 360 days a year? Insane that get that match. And then Absolutely. you read book and all the the list of injuries he got from that match. And you're even more like, how do you keep going? I met, I met Mick Foley in college. He came to our school to do uh, uh, public speaking and, you know, had his book and everything. I think it was the first book he wrote. He walks um, like he's still in pain now, right? And the way that he walked. I mean, even like this was 18 years ago. Uh, and even like watching him now, like when he walks, I think they had a, he had a reality show for a little bit there. Um, and like, yeah. when you see the way he walks, it's like, holy cow. Like the damage they do, like, I don't, and, this is completely off topic, but like if anybody knows Kevin Nash, if you don't know who Kevin Nash is or diesel, this Nick, you'll get this one. He was super shredder in turtles too. Oh, okay. So he, that's kind of, I guess we would say his first claim to fame, but uh, everybody knows Kevin Nash and diesel member of the NWO, but he was also super shredder. He's always worn like pants 
and he's had like a crazy limp like his entire career and people always get on to him because he's injury prone whatnot whatnot so he just had some type of crazy surgery and he showed himself wearing shorts and the size and the bending of one of his legs is ridiculous like it's it's gross and to think of like oh my gosh this guy not just like only walked on that was doing athletic feats um although i think he would really appreciate me saying that he did anything athletic um but you know to see that and to think about like man like you hear all the time of soccer players playing through knocks and things like that and then you look at what some of these these wrestlers are going through it's just like holy cow yeah it's Um, it's insane it's insane as 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 i'm finishing up here i'm finding this picture for nick because i know he'll be like oh my gosh that's ridiculous uh, because it is, it's it's super super gross. Um, I think I heard Kevin Nash was a big time D one basketball player. He was. He played at University of Tennessee. Well, that is big. So time. Nick, this is just for you. People, obvi- well, that's the wrong thing. Where'd that go? So people can't see this. Maybe I'll, I'll tweet it. But look at one leg. Look at that. Wow. That's gross. Yeah. Like your leg should not be bent like that from your work. But right. shout outs to those guys. <laughs> Stu Flaherty, my man, my brother. Oh, Stu and I zoomed over WrestleMania. I guess I should say that too before we get off here. We did a WrestleMania Zoom. Um, did you were you on when we had Jonathan Coachman on the Zoom? No. Oh no, no, no. I zoomed with you because you had Virgil on a call. Yes. And you're yes. like, hey, I need you to come on this call with me real quick, brother. And I was like, Yes, absolutely will. Um, <laughs> so and and I, I let Stu know, you know, there will be another WrestleMania watch along Zoom. Uh, with your boy so be prepared for the link on that but Stu, Stu baby Stu man if somebody wants to get a hold of you you're obviously a great follow on twitter uh how can how can people follow you and get a hold of you <clears throat> at Stuart flaherty um stuart.flaherty at dartmouth.edu if you just google dartmouth soccer i'm on the coach and staff my email's there and uh www.socceracademics.com should have all the info if they're uh, looking for it about this course like I was gonna say, I was gonna I was gonna throw it in, but you're such a great you got a great promo, Stuart. Socceracademics.com where you can go on and register for the game analysis education uh, with Stu and his guys. Uh, it starts on February 28th and it goes again on March 7th, March 15th, and March 22nd. The times are listed on there. The cost is only $200 for four sessions. That's absolutely incredible. You're not going to get an experience at that price like that anywhere else. Stu, thanks for coming on, man. We, we gladly had you on. And uh, maybe next time I see you, I'll see a nice black hat on your head. Maybe. I feel like you'll snatch it off. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Big man, Stu Flaherty. Uh, normally, Nick comes on at the end of the interview and does his piece. And so I just want to like intro you doing that. So I would like to welcome everyone to this edition of Nick Hugely Puts Over Our Guest. Go for it. No, I mean, honestly, it's funny because I haven't had a chance to talk to Stu a lot. And I feel like we just became best friends. You guys formed an alliance today. Yeah. We're going to fight everyone. Um, but no, <laughs> no Stuart, Stuart is honestly amazing. Like he, he truly is. He's just, uh, he's a guy that, again, I truly believe like is just in it for the right reasons. Like he just has a, like, I don't know. He's just a guy that I feel like 
just everything he said in the interview that we just heard, he believes in his kids. He's like just a guy that I would want any son that I ever have to go play for. So I don't, I, I can't say enough good things about the guy. He uh, he's, he's a cat. Uh, I just absolutely love him. Um, you know, it, it's every now and then, like we all probably have that video or picture on our phones where like, for no reason, we'll just go back and like watch, or we'll go back and look at this picture. And it like takes you back. And I still have on my phone, uh, me and Stu hanging out in this rental car in the terminal at LAX. And I don't even know how the conversation got started on like old techno European football songs. I don't, and I don't know how it got started. And I don't know where he just like turned me. He's like, you want to hear some football songs? And I was like, of course. Yeah. And next thing I know, we're like screaming at the top of our lungs in this, um, is it Avis the, the car company? Yeah. Avis. Um, we're in their parking lot. Uh, as we were waiting for a flight to come in to pick up some, some more people for camp, just, I'm sure we looked silly uh, to everybody who was picking up their rental cars, but we were enjoying it. And, and Stu's a good dude. Uh, quality, quality follow on Twitter uh, has some good stuff, whether it's soccer related um, or, you know, just talking about uh, anything sports related. Uh, he's also a pretty, I think he's, I think one of his friends is this like big, up and coming MMA fighter or boxer. I, I don't know which one. And so I really don't want that guy to hurt me for not knowing which one he does. Um, but like Stu's been to like a lot of his fights and uh, I saw actually, um, I want to say it was yesterday. I actually saw somebody like sent a video of a, of a MMA fight to Stu and he like analyzed it. Like he was a freaking ESPN analyst for MMA. And I was like, what does this dude not know? And I think the question is, he doesn't there's nothing he doesn't know like he can analyze everything he's, oh, cl- I mean, he's clearly I, I, analyzed you as a person because he's now like he has completely jumped off the sean train and is totally on team nick no i mean i mean honestly like Stu again just even talk again if you hear if you hear about his interview he just again was just a guy that really gets it and can coach anyone of any level and believes that like believes in himself and it's just, I don't know, like that it's been such a cool last 48 hours of getting to know him a lot better. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a good dude. And like I said, in the interview, if you're, he, he puts me over way too much and puts up a hype about me that I cannot match. Uh, and I'm more like, you know, sometimes like somebody will say something about you and you'll use the, like the Justin Timber, like stop it gif. And like, I'll send the one that's like, yo, stop. Like, I can't live up to that hype. Um, but he's such a good dude to have in your corner. And, and especially soccer wise, so informational. He's been everywhere. He's done it uh, at every level. Uh, and now he's helping out a great team, uh, work with a great staff up there at Dartmouth. Um, you know, it's kind of, everybody's kind of still getting through the convention hangover. It was a little bit different this year. And I'd be remiss, and we should probably should have talked about this at the beginning, um, so please, uh, if you're listening, don't kill me for this, but, uh, we have to give a shout out to soccer chat alum and, and BFF Becky Burley, uh, on the announcement that this will be her last season at the university of Florida. And, um, I don't know about you, uh, but I was recruiting when you sent the text out. So I actually heard from Nick, uh, that Becky was retiring or announced her retirement 
And I felt bad because all I saw was like the stat, like the link for the, for the tweet. And you just put, whoa. And instantly, I think just because of like this time and age that we're in right now, I instantly thought like something really, really bad happened. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then I, I opened up the link and saw the, the cool uh, message that she had. And then I didn't, I, I felt bad for the team that I, the teams I was watching. Cause I did not watch the rest of the first half because I was so like enamored by seeing like what everybody was writing about Becky uh, responding to her and like kind of doing my own reflecting um, just about my knowledge of her and, and how long I've known her uh, and how long I have followed her uh, in her career. Um, and it's just one of those, like you sit back and you're like, wow, like the only coach that Florida has ever had, like in how insane that is. And I hate to date myself and this will get me heat with Becky. So Becky, like for the next 10 seconds, don't listen to this episode. <laughs> it's crazy to think that Becky has been coaching at Florida. And if I remember correctly, it's 26 years, right? I mean, I, I wouldn't know the date. I just, I, they won their title in what, like 98, I think. Yeah. So I believe if I remember correctly, the, the graphic said 28, I know Becky, I just said that I could listen for, don't listen for a couple seconds. Go back to not listening. So Becky has been at Florida since I was 10 years old. And the thing is like, whenever you posted or whenever you sent the thing that she was retiring, I always think that Becky's my age. I don't know why I think, it, you know, maybe it's the energy, maybe it's the aura, but I am always like, Oh, like, yeah, Becky's my age. And when I was like, she's retiring, she's not, I don't dare. I say the, the O word enough for that. But then I remember like, Oh my gosh, I was no, honestly like Florida. Well, and just a credit to her. Cause again, you, me, you and me, we always talk about ourselves. Like, who are we to like know these people? And I just sent her a text and I was just like, Hey, I know you're getting a million of these today. And I just want to tell you like that you're such an inspiration for me and so many other people, blah, blah, blah. And right away responds like, Nick, you, it's, it's awesome that you allow me to be one of the cool kids and, and hang out with you guys sometimes. It was like, you are so much higher than me and Sean, like that, like you do not even have to respond to this text. And of course she still takes the time to, to do that. She's just an awesome person. The, um, I knew she would get blown up through text. So like I used social media as my like long form of like thanking her and like talking about her, um, which like I like wrote and deleted so many things. I was like, Sean, like she's not dead. She's just retiring at the end of the year. Like stop writing this like beloved eulogy. Um, and so like I posted it on there. I was like, well, I'll just shoot her a text, but I'm going to make it like real simple. And I put on all of her stuff because when she said it in her video about, you know, uh, this is not the end. It's just the beginning. And it made me think um, because in the same time period, Philip Rivers, uh, Uncle Phil Pot, uh, retired from the Indianapolis Colts. And if you ever watch a Philip Rivers interview, he always wears the same hat and he talks about Noon Chippewa. And I know I'm saying it wrong. I'm completely butchering uh, how to say it, but it's N U N C C O P E I. And it means uh, now I begin again. And he says it after every play, you know, we begin again, Noon Chippewa, Noon Chippewa, uh, says it after every win. And it kind of goes with that, like, you know, one and no mentality. Hey, I'm just trying to go one and no this week. You know, now we begin again. And so when Becky talked about, it, you can, you know, this is not the end. This is just the beginning. When I sent her a text, I just simply said, Noon Chippewa. And, um, you know, 
and not expecting anything in return. Cause I'm like, she probably has 40,000 people texting her, blowing her up. Uh, and, uh, she wrote back and was like, um, you know, said the same thing. Like, Hey, thanks for letting me sit in the, with the cool kids table. And I was like, um, you built the cool kids table and just so happened, like let Nick and I pull a seat up, like, you know, yep. whatever. But, um, I, I didn't know she really like knew like what I was trying to say. So I sent her an, an article, uh, with Philip Rivers talking about like why he, like his whole family will tell you like, Oh, that's dad's phrase. Like he talks about it all the time. Um, and she was like, that's so cool. She's like, I'm going to steal this. I was like, you're not stealing it for me. Like you ain't going to ask. Um, but it was just so cool to like, here I was like really kind of like picking up on this phrase and trying to apply it to my own self. And then hearing Becky's statement, I was like, Oh my gosh, like this ties into what she's trying to do. So it was really cool to, uh, to get to reach out to her. So I'm sure all of us now are going to be watching every Florida Gator game uh, like crazy. Um, and man, you, we, we always talk on the show about when it comes to coaching uh, jobs, you never want to be the guy who replaces the guy or, you know, you never want to be the woman who replaces the woman or the person who replaces the person. And if there was one job in the country, I would not want to replace the person. It is the university of Florida. And I, I think, uh, um, I, I couldn't tell you who their AD is right now. If it's still Jeremy Foley or not, I don't think it is. If, if, and there's no way he's going to, if he calls me tomorrow, he's like, Sean, we would like for you to be the new head coach of the university of Florida. I would be like, you can take yourself and get on up out of here. Cause no way, zero chance would I be taking that job because to follow those footsteps, uh, you know, Becky's put a big, I mean, she is the footprint uh, for that program. And uh, it's going to be exciting to see, with Becky seems they, they always play with emotion. What's that going to be like this year now, knowing like, this is, uh, this is the last dance. This is the last ride. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch, uh, how the Gators compete. Honestly, all I know is they better be hiring Sarah Loudon to be a replacement. That's whoa. That's, that's, that's the soccer chat vote for this one. We don't have any say at all, but that's our vote for this. one. Now see, I'm split. So originally like, that because obviously as soon as I saw the news, I was like, oh man, who's going to take that job? And so originally I was like, oh, Sarah would be dope for that. But then my guy, John Roman, uh, just because he has like the greatest mustache uh, <laughs> and he's such a, like, he's such a sweetheart, like, and his name got brought up in a conversation tonight that I was having with somebody. And I was just like, God, that guy's such a sweetheart. Um, maybe we have a co-head coach. And yeah. Can that be the soccer chat vote? Like co-head coaches, Sarah Loudon and John Roman. Yep. And then Ted Lasso is an assistant. I, you know what? I don't know how he's not working at Monmouth. I mean, you got the sign above your door. Uh, you tweet him more than I've ever told you to tweet the rock. So I've now taken that challenge for you and started tweeting the rock. Like every, you have, I've seen that one and it's going to catch on at some point. Probably never, but. It, it might for all we know. No, I'm going to get Jason Sudeikis to like, just come and hang out with our team at St. Mary's. That would be, that would be fun. I'm still, uh, I, if anybody went to the uh, uh, social for coaches of female athletes, you know, Becky talked about, she slid into the DMS of Ted Lasso. Uh, and I, I sent a message out to him like, Hey, like soccer chat needs your coaching knowledge. Like, to have Ted Lasso. I don't want Jason Sudeikis on the show. Like I want Ted Lasso to come on, talk about being the old ball coach. Uh, and uh, when he was the head coach of the Tottenham Hotspurs, 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 
you know, to, to kind of go through that. I think that would be so cool. And, and maybe one day if Nick and I ever uh, get big from this thing, we can, we can have him on, man. It's so, so great to, uh, to get with everybody every single week on Wednesday nights. Uh, I got to give a shout to uh, my homie, Carrie Hicks. She was on uh, soccer chat uh, this past Wednesday night. It was her first time. She always kind of watches from a distance. First time she kind of got involved. Uh, she's doing the thing at a, at a small high school in Kentucky. Uh, she was a phenomenal player back in the day. And she's also uh, her high school. She started a uh, girls powerlifting team. And like the stuff that they are doing is insane. And it makes me realize how weak I really, really am. Uh, and so shout out to Carrie, uh, for, for hopping on soccer chat. Uh, so it's nine 30 PM Eastern time, every single Wednesday night, uh, hop on there with us, uh, and chat along, you know, we put questions, you can answer them. Great dialogue. I really like the question, uh, you know, of what's your dream job and to see so many people had it like specific. It wasn't just like, I want to coach in the pros. It was like, I want to do this with this league, or, you know, I want to start a nonprofit organization, or uh, I want to start a club, you know, that doesn't uh, cost a lot for kids to come out and play. Just so cool seeing a lot of those answers. And you get that every single Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, We just figured out today, uh, coming up here at the end of the month, I I wish I could remember the name of the event, but I know it's being put on uh, by the state of Nebraska and their DOC, uh, Jeremy, who we, I got to know during the, uh, United soccer coaches convention, uh, just recently, uh, that was virtual and he has asked Nick and I, uh, to do a, a session, uh, virtual, uh, I don't know why they're asking us, but we're going to do it and, uh, we may suck at it, but, uh, at least we're going to, well, what I was about to say probably would have turned around against me and somebody would be like, dude, that was gross, but we may just you know, we're going to try not to suck is going to be the big thing. Uh, but uh, check out for that. I believe if I remember correctly, the dates for that are February 22nd through the 26th. Um, so definitely check that out. Uh, once we get the times and all that, we will let you all know uh, if it is like a thing outside of Nebraska, people can, can log on to and watch, but I will have more information on that as time goes on. He's Nick. I'm Sean. And man, the cool part about soccer chat, it's not that we just get to do it every week. It's not that we just get to hang out and stuff like that. It's just a big old family that has nothing but love for each other and is always there to help each other out. He's Nick. I'm Sean. Nick, we'll catch you later. Catch you later, brother. I'm so in pain. We're going to forget about Twitter names. You already know how to follow us. Coach Rizzo, Coach Soderling. I'm going to go get some Tylenol. This sucks. Mm-hmm.